Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. My name is Dr. Angela Loria from the Author Incubator. I am the creator of The Difference Process, 10 Steps for Writing a Book That Makes a Difference. And every week on Book Journeys, we talk to an author about their experience writing their book and how they are making a difference with their work. Today with us, we have David Patton. He is the author of Dummy, a Memoir. David, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about your book? Tell us about Dummy. Yeah, it um, it's a memoir, obviously, and it mostly covers the uh, first years of my life up to uh, nineteen twenty, and and then uh, the rest of the book compresses the rest of my life into it, into the last few chapters. But it's basically about what it was and what it is to grow up on the autistic spectrum, highly functional, but uh, growing up with dyslexia and uh, what it took kind of in Chicago, um, ended up in the streets of Chicago, uh, as an adolescent trying to survive with some disabilities. And it sort of goes through the story of that and then uh, culminates in what my life ultimately turned into after after some struggle. And I, I, I think it's poignant for anybody with autism and certainly with um, disabilities, but I think it's applicable to anybody that's had struggles in their life and come to some understanding of what we're really suffering much of the time that we're dealing with the practical struggles. And I think it's a um, story about um, uh, what struggle, what the self and what struggle is and complicates and causes disturbance in our lives and how much of that isn't about the necessarily the problem we think we have. We mm. make greater problems. And the problems in my life were big enough and real enough that I needed some help, and I think that I also think it, the book goes into what... Um, Maybe how how society could help support and how society would improve, I think, with some real consideration of people, and that it doesn't cost as much as we might think it does. I, I don't go into the details of that, but it really is just sort of a per, my personal struggle and what I had to go through to uh, finally find some freedom from the from the from who I thought I was and from the struggles I thought I had. What do you think the takeaway, what's the takeaway message for readers? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be different for different readers. It's a personal story, so I think it'll, they'll relate to it, each person in their own way. But uh, really, for me, what the story was is um, that, uh, you know, life, isn't fulfilling in the way we want it to be and that there 
there is a way to find fulfillment, but it's not through the conventions of life. And uh, mm. I think that there's a, a struggle, you know, as we all go through life trying to make it work for us that uh, is just at a fundamental level suffering. And I think we all feel it and have the noisy brains to go along with it. And mm. there's a real peace when the mind finally quiets a bit. And I think that's what the story is about, is the quieting of the mind. Yeah, that's an important lesson for everybody, really. Yeah, what yeah. Led you to, what led you to turn this into a book? How did you make the decision to write a book? Well, you know, it, it really amounted to uh, something I had to do. Uh, my own process, I was just mulling over my life after losing my job or even career and uh, trying to sort out what what brought everything to this point. And it, 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 my mind kept promising to come up with answers and help me work it out and even be the answer to helping working it out. And so I, it was just repetition in my mind. It kept going over the same stuff. There was no help there. It was just punishing noise. And... Uh, mm -hmm. So I started to feel I needed to write it all down, get it outside of my head so I had some perspective. And I just wrote down everything. And as I started writing, I realized that, uh, that I couldn't separate all of that from the process of my life. So I just started writing down kind of everything that I thought was most me, which seemed the worst parts of my life. And the parts I most identified seemed to be the worst parts. And that seemed curious to me. That why would I identify with the worst and the most negative? And so as I just wrote to what was most me or most felt most dense of me, it all started to evaporate on me. And pretty soon I evaporated. And it was really through being honest and writing about what is it that I actually know somewhere in my body, in my you know, in my sense sensibilities. What do I know that I don't want to know? And uh, when I started writing to that, that, that really shifted a lot of things for me. Um, and it gave me a lot more. I've never had writer's block because there was always plenty of subject in that area. So, um, Do you feel like you were writing for yourself? Like, did you have a goal for the book? to, you know, get the book out into the world, or was it really just about you understanding your own thoughts? At, at first, it was just about me. It, it turned into writing a book once people saw what I had and felt and I had to put so much into it. The problem I had was, since I can't read or write, and this is about a guy with learning disabilities as, as an adult, even, never graduated high school, um, and uh, so... <clears throat> to write a book seemed impossible. I, I didn't even consider the possibility of it. But at least to try and get something uh, out on the page uh, that I could then read. Uh, I have a computer that reads to me. And uh, so I sent it to an editor, and they would clean it up, and it wouldn't say what I meant it to say. I, I couldn't even understand much of what I wrote. So basically, so you can't read or write. So the way that you wrote this 
book was by talking. You recorded something and then worked with an editor to turn those recordings into Yeah, you know, these recordings don't work for me because the way I check my work is by listening to the computer read to me. It's a very thick kind of computer accent, these readers, you know, the voice Mm -hmm. synthesizers. And it's like getting used to a thick accent, and not all of everything comes through clearly. So if I said, particularly when I'm writing a lot, if I wrote a few pages and then went back to listen to it, it would make make phonetic mistakes. And so the mistakes sounded correct, and when I sent it to my editor, he would look at some pieces of it and just go, what are you saying here? This is just nonsense. I'd listen to it, and it kind of sounded like it made sense, and so we'd kind of go over and try and recover. But really, the those didn't even at the low rate of error, you know, one out of you know one out of a hundred, if they were ninety nine percent right, after a few were you know pages, there's a significant number of mistakes. So um, I just typed into Word, misspelling it, correcting much of what I would misspell, but. A lot of it, it didn't, and it was kind of a mess. But I'd send that to my editor. He would rewrite it. We would talk about what I was trying to say. He would try and incorporate that into it. Then he'd send it back to me. I would write over that. He would. We probably went back 50 or 60 times practically on every page we had to cycle. And, and part of that, actually, that cycling was that I ended up writing the book in layers and uh, uh, probably 16 different layers where one time I'd go through the book writing it where I'd decide to be angry. Another time I'd be a different character in the book or try just try to write it from different points of view because I experienced all of it from different points of view. And so I just tried to include all of that in the book, and, and it so helped me remember... Pardon me, go ahead. How did you go about picking an editor? Because I think having an editor who you can work, I mean, it sounds like you worked very closely uh, with your editor in this process. Do you have any advice for people on how to find someone? I went through a lot of editors, and it was (laughs) critical, absolutely critical to find the right editor um, for me. You know, I mean, everybody works differently, so one editor might be better for a person than another. But... Uh, Doug Childers is who I ended up working most mostly with, but David uh, Smith was also really critical in this, and both great, great editors. Doug Childers is sort of a book fixer, he calls himself, so he really understands storyline and helps with structure, which is a lot of what I needed since I don't read or write, and yeah. uh, just helped me put it together that way. How and did you know he's if you had really, like, he's right written a person. lot of books. Pardon me. How did you know you had the right person? Like, did you interview them, or what What tips would you give people to picking an editor that's right for them? Yeah, uh, well, interviewing, I think, is really important. But for me, it really took trying to edit some of the material I had in, you know, and see how it goes, you know. Um, my... So would you suggest so that people do, like a like, a sample project, like give somebody a chapter to edit and see how they do or what yeah yeah Uh, i would suggest they talk to them first obviously and just Mm -hmm. discuss what strengths and weaknesses and then 
you know, they kind of sell themselves. But then it's important to, um, you know, I, I first started with one of these uh, agencies, pen group, uh, that was going to have hire a person that had published at least one or two books themselves and then help me ghostwrite it and do all that. It was a disaster, and a lot of money was wasted. And, uh, you know, Pen Group did what they were supposed to do uh, by contract, but no more. And, uh, I mean, they, they tried to help. I, won't, I don't want to say that. But it, nobody's as interested in your book as you are. And right. uh, I, there was none of it that I could use, so I had to find another mm-hmm. editor. And it it really was for me finding a person that uh, could help organize, and I think it depends on your needs. So doing a test run, like you just mentioned, where you try and work out with somebody some of the material that you're working on, maybe a part of it that's difficult that you're struggling with, get their input. I I don't know a better way than to do that, but that can be expensive if you're trying to go through a lot of different people. Right. I do think it's important to, you know, find the right editor to work with. And, you know, your situation is unique, but even with people that don't have some of your challenges, this is something I hear over and over again, that their editor changed their book in in a way they didn't like, or nothing was usable, or they weren't able to really get out of their editor what they felt like they needed or deserved for their book. And I think, you know, knowing going into finding an editor that, that there is, you know that there's a that that is there's a fit factor that is an important yes. part of the equation. So yeah, and I think the there's, other... a real, there's a real talent to understanding storyline that a person needs to know, and mm-hmm. uh, structure, helping to set up the structure, uh, which I think when somebody's working on a project, it's even capable people on, on reading and writing. I I my take on it is that. Getting help with structuring it, you're almost too close to it to see it. And I think it helps to have somebody outside helping with that. Yeah. So who were some of the other people that you worked with on your on your book in addition to an editor? Were there other people that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, I, or other roles? Yeah. Um, I ended up working with, yeah, you know, one thing I tried to get around because I didn't have the money at first was really different people for copy editing and uh, the, um, what is it, checking for errors and stuff. Yeah, and, like proofreading versus yeah, like conceptual editing. Yes, exactly. And I found in my case that trying to use the same people for this is not the way to go use different people and that is also more expensive it can be but I ended up finding some great people to help me with it I ended up using some people that had worked with another guy I know who'd publish a book and they ended up trying to own the material and run it and tell me how to do it and uh, you really got to keep your own center in all of this it seems when they get Mm. find something they think is exciting uh, a lot of people start trying to take it away from you and controlling it. 
And was there uh, was there something that surprised you about the writing process? Something that was different than you expected? Something that was easier or harder? Yeah. Um, one thing it's good for me to remember is it's really about the story, and not for me about the art of writing. I think for a lot of people it is about mm. the art of writing. So I I'm not speaking to those folks about that. I think that's right. there's great value in that, but that's not me. And uh, I uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, in a memoir, it's different than fiction. I'm writing fiction right now for another book I'm doing, so it's really different, but I'm just going to talk about the memoir. Um, it really takes deep honesty and going to the places you don't want to go that make it interesting. I found when my editor would look at something and go, this is ridiculous, it doesn't need to be in the book, it, it doesn't say anything really, and it would be one of my favorite parts, that it was usually because I actually hadn't written enough or gone far enough to make it interesting. And those are usually the parts I had the hardest time giving up and I just had to make a decision to either write deeper or or be willing to give it up. And often what I found was the parts I was most attached to and the parts that he most wanted to get rid of ended up being the best parts of the book when I expanded on it and went to the places I didn't want to go to describe it. Wow. I think that's a great lesson. Um so often we are, especially in, in memoir style writing, we're, we're throat clearing. We're writing up to the event and then we don't get to the actual, you know, the, the big payoff fast enough for the reader. So uh-huh. um, great, great advice there. How about, um, you, you mentioned that you didn't have to deal with writer's block, but how did you set up your writing schedule? How often did you write and when? Uh, You know, I have no self-discipline, I'm afraid. (laughs) So uh, I was obsessed with the project, luckily, I guess, or unluckily. Um, And it it sort of drove its own schedule for me, I'm afraid. I'm not sure if I have any real advice. I would write for 16, 24 hours in a day and then the next day not write at all sometimes. But generally I tried to, to write... Uh, when, now, when I could, you know, I uh, couldn't always because sometimes, you know, when I, I try to write four to about three to four hours a day at least or average that through a week or something like that. So at least I was uh, keeping up with that. Oftentimes I would do more or less than that, depending more, more often more. Uh, I had 1,700 pages to this book originally. Oh, my God. I got a hold of it. <laughs> it took me wow. seven years to write the book, so and, I'm not sure. And what did so you I, I, I will and... tell you that these are going to be other books. There, It was originally supposed to be seven books. I had to squeeze much of it down to one book. Um, mm. And it feels a little squeezed, but it's all, you know, it's good the way it is. Uh, I think it's perfect the way it is, but... Uh, a lot of the stuff I liked got left out, so I'll just have to write other books. So how many pages did the book end up being? About 310. Okay. I tried so to get it wow. down to 200. 
I know. I tried to get it down to 200, and it, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah, it's too much for a first book, but every page is necessary, so. Amazing. So for you, okay, so it clearly wasn't, wow. Um, how long, I, I don't even know how to ask this question, because obviously you, you wrote more than one book there, but from the time you got the idea to write the book, until you mm-hmm. finished it, how until you finished like the first manuscript, how long was that? I would say the first manuscript, probably three years, but mm-hmm. the first manuscript was was not what it needed to be, and I wasted a lot of time with bad editors, you know mm-hmm. uh, i I can't tell you how much time I wasted with that, so uh, and they were good writers. They'd written, you know, uh, bestsellers, you know, some of these editors. Right. So, I'd, you right. know, you can't tell from that. And, and, and a lot so of it has to do how dedicated are they to your project, or are they just interested in getting paid and having their life, right. you know. Right. At what point in the process did you start thinking about how you were going to publish? Yeah, you know, for me, for me, I had to uh, go through quite a process with that because the book is so personal that I didn't want it published, and it took pressure from friends and my wife to say, "Well, you put so much into this, and it's a good, interesting story; it could help people." And it was really feel like maybe it can help people that turned me around, and once. Once I saw the potential for that, uh, it was it was probably maybe a year after that, after finishing the first manuscript, that I mm. decided I would publish. And did you know right away you were going to go with self-publishing? No, and and in a way, what I did, I, I found a number of I did a lot of research on this stuff, and I looked for. Uh, no, I looked for agents at first, and I looked for publishers and that kind of thing. I sent a lot of books out, a lot of letters, and got a lot of, you know, these encouraging turndowns saying, it's a great book, it's just not my thing, you know, kind of statements. And um, I realized that, you know, I got two of these uh, kind of boutique publishers interested and as we started going into contracts, and I had to actually, we had a contract with one publisher, and he started wanting to make claims about the book that I didn't think were fair, so I had to get a lawyer and get rid of him. Hmm. And then I got another publisher that was interested, and uh, I saw some of the similar complications coming up with wanting to control it and not really willing to promote it. And a lot of these yeah, I realized in researching, I found all these other companies that will do everything that, or almost everything that a boutique publisher would do, but you're just buying items off a shelf kind of thing. Oh, I would like to have you warehouse this or publish this or work on my cover or, you know. And there's a lot of services out there where you just don't need a publisher. And what I, what I realized is self-publishing through... Amazon was the best way to go at first 
in terms of cost, but then I realized I can publish. And I should just say, by Amazon, you mean CreateSpace, probably, right? CreateSpace, sorry, yes, that's right. That's no, right. it's the same thing, but not all our listeners would necessarily know that. Okay. So if they just went okay. to Amazon, they might be lost. <laughs> yeah, well, I went to Lightning Source, too, and I realized through Lightning Source I could get in the bookstores, but through Amazon uh, I could get better online support, and if I did it through Lightning Source, which is a print-on-demand, through I think Ingram, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, with with Ingram there you get into the bookstores which I really wanted, but with uh, Amazon if you go through Ingram or I mean uh, Lightning Source then they say when a person orders the delivery time might be two weeks out because they don't carry the books necessarily if they're not doing it. So I I ended up publishing it first through both Amazon and lightning source i didn't realize you could do that so i got into the bookstores and shipping right away and there was no extra not a lot of extra cost in doing it that way since it was Mm -hmm. all on demand later what i did is i found a place that would warehouse the books that had access into bookstores and now what i did is i printed a bunch of books i got the price in printing down to about a buck seventy um, mm-hmm. book, which is great for a for a three hundred page book. That's excellent. Exactly, and I I only ordered like what twenty five hundred or something, so it wasn't a lot of books. Mm-hmm. It was a, enough for the first run. And uh, and so well, I'm sorry, what's had, the company? The warehousing company. If people want to check that out, yeah, if uh, it's called Bookmasters, and what they've been oh, able okay. to do for me is what every what I found out is these these uh, boutique bookstore uh, uh, publishers were actually using bookmasters. Everything I could have gotten through them, and they'd give me such headaches, I could get through the bookmasters. Now, the first it's it's not entirely true because the first guy I went to had some access to I forget the name. It's a three letter. Uh, company, but apparently they uh, had great access into the bookstores and, and mm-hmm. sales reps into the bookstores and all that kind of stuff. And and I I did miss out on that option, uh, not going with one of the publishers. But yeah, the other I think publisher, what this speaks to is just how complicated it is and how many questions that you're going to be faced with once you start walking down the publishing road. And and how it's changing every minute. Yeah. I mean, it's just true. changing so fast. Uh, but That's I true. found Bookmasters to to be the least expensive. They they have some problems, too. But um, that's where I warehouse it. They're, they receive and, you know, return books and send out the other books. They take care of all that stuff for me. And, it, you know, it costs a little bit each month. Um I've only sold maybe a thousand books, you know. Um, so uh, I've got a ways to go uh, on that. But in terms of cost, in terms of getting the book out there and making it available to everybody, I've been happy with the way I've done it now. But in the beginning, and- without putting up much money, to go with both, to go with both Lightning Source and Creative Space was kind of the best of all worlds. I put out very little money. I didn't get much money back on each, each book sold. 
Um, right. You know, and I, uh, I made so little that it, it just didn't make sense to continue that way. But as a way to start out, it really was it was it was good. Great, that's great advice. So, when we talk about the whole process of writing your book, getting it, you know, edited, uh, publishing, particularly the self-publishing journey, and even though we haven't talked about it much, like promoting your book and getting the word out there, what advice would you give to someone who says, "I want to write a, a personal memoir"? Like yours is very personal. I want to write a personal memoir. Um, you know, kind of like you have. What advice would you give them? I would give them uh, first what you know. I would have a conversation with them. I didn't go into some depth because I want to know why they want to do this. What's what's their motive? And that's going to have mm-hmm. a big part to do with what advice I would give them. Um, if it's really to do a memoir and self-discovery, I think it becomes really interesting process. Uh, if it's to tell your story to other people uh, because you want to, you know, set the record straight or something like that, uh, that just wasn't an interesting I think it's usually, you know, the thing that I hear most is to help people. You know, I want I learned some lessons that I'd like to share and help people. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I was talking with Dan Millman a while ago, and he was, I, I hope I don't get this quote wrong, but he was saying that the difference between a a professional writer and a novice or a, or anyway, you know, a practitioner, mm-hmm. I guess. Go ahead. Um, the difference is, be, is the, the, the professional, or the, Novice has something to say, and the professional mm-hmm. is writing for the reader. And I yeah. thought that was an interesting comment, and I realized I am definitely a novice because I have something to say. Yeah. But I also have the other um, where I feel like I want to write as the reader, you know, um, would read it. And yeah. so – I, I don't mean to disagree with Dan Millman, but I do think that it's different when you're writing a very personal book and you're going into places you don't want to go to for discovery because I think that comes out on the page. If you're just going to write down a story that kind of uh, to help other people, I think that's what he's talking about when you're say, when you're saying you're writing. Because uh, you have something to say, right. uh, it's it's usually very self-oriented. I think that point of view, and I I don't I don't know how well it works. I don't think I can speak well, to it, but it didn't work for me <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, David Patton, thank you so much for being here. David is the author of Dummy: A Memoir. You can go to dummyamemoir.com to learn more. Thanks for being our guest today. Well, thank you. And we will be back next week, changing the world one book at a time.